nation. And I believe that with all my heart. There are so many powerful examples of, of wonderful women that were committed and godly and, and loyal in the Bible. We could look at Sarah today or Rachel, uh, Jochebed, Miriam, Deborah, Esther, Ruth, turning to the New Testament, Elizabeth and Mary, and so many more. Now, to be certain, none of them were perfect. But each one can motivate us in some significant way with the life they lived and the godliness they embraced. So many to choose from, and so many of them are so well known. But on this Mother's Day, I want to talk about none of them, none of the ones I mentioned. Today, I want to share about a woman in the Bible whose name was Jedidah. I'm almost certain that's maybe a new name to many of you. Second Kings chapter 22, and I will begin reading in verse number one. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adiah, and she was from Bozkath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. This is the only reference we have in the entire Bible to this woman known as Jedidah. Yet I am convinced she was a godly woman. I am convinced she was a woman who was faithful to the Lord. I am convinced she stood for righteousness in the midst of an evil generation. And I am convinced her life made a difference for the Lord. Now, Pastor, how can you draw all of that when this is the only reference we have to her in all the Bible? I draw that conclusion because of her son, Josiah. The Bible says he was the greatest king that ever sat on the throne of Judah. And that doesn't happen by accident. True, Josiah had people around him who influenced him. He had people around him who taught him the ways of the Lord. He had people around him who modeled the things of God. And sadly, and we're going to look at a, a number of scriptures that prove this point, it was not the men in his life. Not his father, nor his grandfather, who did any of that for him. It was his mother, Jedidah. You see, Josiah's grandfather is a king we know as Manasseh. Second Kings chapter 21, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. His mother's name was I practiced this name at home, Hephzibah. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places of his father Hezekiah and had destroyed. He also erected altars to Baal and made an Asherah pole, as Ahab, king of Israel, had done. He bowed down 
to all starry hosts and worshiped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord, of which the Lord said, In Jerusalem, I will put my name. In two courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry hosts. He sacrificed his own son in the fire, practiced divination, sought omens, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. He took the carved Asherah pole he had made and put it in the temple of which the Lord said to David and his son Solomon, in this temple in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. I will not again make the feet of the Israelites wander from the land I gave their ancestors. If only they will be careful to do everything I commanded them and will keep the whole law that my servant Moses gave them. But the people did not listen. Manasseh led them astray he, so that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. Way to go, Grandpa. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord and erected altars to these false gods in the house of God. He sacrificed his own children in pagan rituals. He was selfish and self-seeking. If you see all the times we have, I will do this and I will do that in verses 7 and 8. Manasseh led astray, verse 9. Manasseh led them astray so that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. If you go back to the book of Joshua and realize how much evil the nations of the land of Canaan had done, that the Lord had driven out all of those people before Israel entered the promised land. And here we're saying that a king sitting on the throne of Judah has done more evil than all of them. The damage as a leader he had inflicted on Judah was severe. Well, it's a bad king. A bad example. At least we could hope that perhaps maybe his son would be better. Second Kings chapter 21, verse number 19. Ammon was, 21, was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem two years. His mother's name was Meshulameth, daughter of Haruz, and she was from Jotba. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done. He followed completely the ways of his father, worshiping the idols his father had worshipped, and bowing down to them, he, took, he forsook the Lord, the God of his ancestors, and did not walk in obedience to them. Ammon's officials conspired against him and assassinated the king in his palace. Then the people of the land killed all who had plotted against King Ammon. This is a wonderful scene going on here. And they made Josiah, his son, king in his place. The only positive thing you could say about Ammon is he didn't have the 55 years to rule that his father had. He followed in his father's footsteps. He worshipped the gods of other nations, the false gods. He rejected the God of Israel. He was so bad, his trusted officials basically said, we've had enough and we're taking you out. And here comes Josiah, age eight. Am I the only one that feels really bad for this kid? Yes. I mean, grandpa's a mess. Dad's an even worse mess. 
What chance did he have? Did you notice in the passages about both Manasseh and about Ammon that in describing who they were, it also mentioned their mothers? You see, dads who were kings back in Bible days, they didn't play catch with their kids. They didn't take them aside and have daddy time with them. They contributed very little to the rearing of their children, especially when they were very young. That was left to teachers and counselors, but usually it was left primarily to the queen mother, to their mom. Josiah's heritage was awful. His heritage was godless. It was pagan to the worst degree. Ammon was worse than his father because at least Manasseh, the Bible tells us, at the end of his life, in his later years, he humbled himself before the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 33, verse, and I begin in verse 21. Ammon was 22 years old when he became king. It's a retelling of what happened in Second Kings. And he reigned in Jerusalem two years. He did evil in the, in the eyes of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. Ammon worshipped and offered sacrifices to all the idols Manasseh had made. But unlike his father Manasseh, he did not humble himself before the Lord. Ammon increased his guilt. So for Manasseh, we could at least say, better late than never. At least began the final chapter of his life by humbling himself before the Lord. Manasseh was bad. Ammon was worse. Thank God for Josiah's mom. The strength to stand against all that came before in, that we see in Manasseh, uh, that we see in Josiah, came from somewhere. The desire to follow the ways of the Lord came from seeds that were planted by someone. The conviction to follow and worship Yahweh and Yahweh alone had to come from a witness that he had. Where did this come from in, in, in King Josiah's life? In that tradition, the primary influence would have been Jedidah. When Ammon was killed, she actually also became queen mother and became a regent and a leader in her own right. And her impact was evident. She basically, I, don't, I wasn't there, no matter how old people can think I am. She, she, I wasn't there. But I could imagine in the face of all this heritage that is so godless and the way in which his father and grandfather had led the people of God in bad directions. I could imagine her saying, not my son. I'm going to make this cycle in a different direction. She got through to him. And we know that from the opening passage we read where it said he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and followed completely the ways of his father, David, not turning to the left or to the right. Uh, basically, Josiah walked a balanced life, a straight line, not turning to the left or to the right. There would have been this tendency in the face of all the imbalance that his father and grandfather had created, the extreme paganism they had embraced, there would have been a tendency, as is human tendency, to not only begin to do what's right, but to try and overcompensate and go the 
other direction and swing the pendulum so far the other way to try and compensate for all the bad. But he decided, no, I'm going to simply do what's right and go forward. He brought the people of God back to God. He brought worship, true worship, worship of Yahweh alone and only back to the temple. Did this happen overnight? No, it did not. It would be wonderful if we could just say a prayer, wave our hands, lay hands on someone, and all of life's problems would vanish in an instant. If you possess that kind of power, I will gladly resign this church as pastor and give this over to you. Because this didn't happen overnight. Second Chronicles chapter 34. I begin reading in verse number 3. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, I'm talking about Josiah, he began to seek the God of his father David. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles and idols. Under, the direction, under his direction, the altars of the Baals were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars and were, that were above them and smashed the Asherah poles and the idols. These he broke to pieces and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests on the altars. So he purged Judah and Jerusalem in the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Naphtali, and in the ruins around them. He tore down the altars and Asherah poles and crushed the idols to powder and cut to pieces all the incense altars throughout Israel. Then he went back to Jerusalem. His reign began at age 8. We're now seeing him at age 16. In those years, Jedidah had a chance to turn the tables, raising him and changing the cycle. And the end result of her effort, 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 25, neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart, with all his soul, and with his strength, in accordance with the law of Moses. Again, thank God for Jedidah. Sisters, thank God for all of you. Thank God for all of you. So many of you can relate to the overall scenario that Jedidah was facing. I'm going to assume not the specifics of the scenario since none of your husbands reign in the kingdom of Judah. But you serve in oftentimes you have had to serve the Lord on your own. You've been the only godly influence in your home. You've had no assistance in generating that Christian influence. And in fact, when you would offer your godly influence, it wasn't just not supported, it was thwarted. And you went the, and others took it the other way. You were called being out of step, not in, is, as is the phrase today, not in line with history. Or what will history say about you? I'm not concerned with what history will say about me. I'm only concerned what Jesus will say about me. Amen. She raised a godly king in spite of the influence around him. That's the power of a godly mom. And that's the power you wield in this day and age. 
She reared a son who saved a nation and brought the nation in a different direction. God can use each one of you to do the same thing with your own children. No matter how old they are today, you will always still be mom. They may have said things, they may have done things that made you feel that in some way, shape, or form, that title, that status, that role in in their lives has been diminished. But I can tell you and I can assure you, you are still mom and you still have power. And when you take mom and put mom together with Jesus, that is an unstoppable force. And not just with your own children, with the children of others. So many testimonies I've heard over the years that have had young people and not so young people talk about how the women of the church prayed for them. I remember hearing one testimony of a man who walked into a church and he didn't know why he was there. And he had been leading a completely ungodly life. And he just was walking by the church one day. They were having a service. He came in and gave his heart to Jesus. And when he tried to explain what happened, he said he knew that the women in his family were praying for him. And he realized then that once they started praying, he had no chance. Not only with your own children or with others, just with the people around you. Your influence coming from a life of faithfulness can turn people. Your influence coming from a life committed to Jesus can turn a nation. And I think you'd all agree with me today, we live in a nation that needs to be turned. Mom, so much gets put upon you, and let's be honest, a little credit comes with it, usually. And again, this is the only mention of Jedidah in the entire Bible. So my encouragement to you today is don't give up. You'd have every reason to throw in the towel. You'd have every reason to raise the white flag of surrender. The influences of evil on those you love are many. And it can feel sometimes that you're outnumbered. Well, let's be practical about it today, but on both sides of being practical. You may be outnumbered, but you're never outpowered. Jesus in your life is greater than any force, any army. Remember the story of Gideon, how God kept reducing the army because when the victory was won, it needed to be clear that God stepped in and performed the victory. There isn't anything your prayers, your love, your godly influence, your witness for Jesus can accomplish. You have someone greater than the evil of this world in your corner. So when your children go astray, don't give up. When your friends ridicule your hope in Jesus, don't give up. When our culture labels you a thing of the past, don't give up. When what's popular thinking violates the word of Almighty God, stand strong. And don't give up. Jesus sees you. And he embraces you. Your family needs you. Whether they realize it or not. Whether they state it or not. Whether they embrace it or not. They need you just the way you are. 
Your friends and various circles of influence need you just the way you are. This nation, for all of the directions it's traveling in that lead it further and further away from Jesus, need you just the way you are. And for me, of all those groups I just mentioned, family, friends, and nation, to me the most important, the church in America needs you just the way you are. I say this often. I have a hard time getting on the world, getting on this culture for being so godless when in so many ways the church has followed suit. We need to be people who stand firm. We need to be people who know that this is not just a book. It is the word of Almighty God. We need to be people who follow Jesus and not complain about other people who don't. So the church needs you, ladies, just the way you are. I remember the day I told my mom that I wanted to become a minister. Now, you have to understand that's not what I said. Because at the time, I was attending fully a Roman Catholic church. So what I told her was, Mom, I wanted to become a priest. She just smiled at me. I don't know what she said, and it's probably a good thing she didn't put it into words. But she just smiled at me. She never complained. She never argued with me. She never tried to talk me out of it. She figured, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to Jesus. And she did, and she did tell me often, she prayed, and the answer to her prayers is the pink-haired lady sitting in the front row. My mom prayed for her sons, and we didn't always go in the right direction. But God was, has been faithful. Ladies, God will be faithful to your prayers. You may never know or see the, the fruit of that. I don't, it doesn't say how long Jedida lived. You may not ever see them be your kids or your friends or your family or your circles of influence, you may not see them become leaders or kings or even mighty warriors for Christ that will be able to look back, but they will look back and thank God for you. Don't give up. Don't give up on them and don't give up on God. Don't give up on what God can do through you as a testimony to what he's done in your life. In weeks ago, well, probably even longer, I just felt stirred in my own heart. I want to bring some type of message of encouragement and empowerment to the women of our church and to those who are watching. And I began looking at different women in the Bible as I opened with, so many that have such powerful testimonies. And I'm thankful that the Bible tells us about such powerful women and men and yet doesn't sugarcoat that they weren't perfect. But then God led me to this overlooked person called Jedidah that we know nothing about other than that her son turned two generations of evil toward God. He turned a nation that for so long 
had not known what it was to worship the true and living God. You'd have to go back to Manasseh's father, Hezekiah, before you'd find a king who truly understood the blessing that it was to be the people of God. And don't know what happened to Manasseh. I don't know what happened to Ammon. And, well, Ammon got taken out. Yeah, I know what happened to Ammon. I don't know why these two men went the direction they did. But I have to think in the face of all of this, just given the traditions of the time, it would have been easy just, let, just to let Josiah go in the same direction. But someone had to step in to this eight-year-old boy who was now king of a nation and say, no, the nonsense stops here. The sin stops here. The cycle stops here. Yes, and given as devalued as women still remain in our culture, they were even more so in this one. And yet she had the, the strength to say, no, not my kid, not my nation. We're done following these awful men. I'm going to raise up a king who can make a difference. That's the power you have. That's the anointing you have. That's the hope all of us can have. Thank God for Josiah's mom. Ladies, I'm going to ask you to join me here at the altar.